Welcome to Christchurch Manchester Sermon Podcast. CCM is one church that meets every Sunday in various locations across Manchester. For more information about who we are or about our Sunday meetings, please visit www.christchurchmanchester.com. I wanted to try something and see if it lands, okay? So I'm going to say, God is good. And all the time, yay, I'm so happy to hear it's not just a Pentecostal thing, that we actually have this phrase everywhere. Um, But I remember growing up, like, that was just such a thing that we did um, in church, in kids' church, even at home, amongst believers anywhere. If someone even whispered in a conversation, God is good, I'd be like, all the time. And they would say all the time, God is good. And growing up, I did it because it's just what I heard. It was just a muscle memory. Um, but as I grew up in Christ and I've you know, given my life to Christ, um, I need to do it because I need to remember it, right? I need to do it because I need to remember that God is good, um, especially when it doesn't feel like um, he's good. I need those kind of repeated phrases. So I might, um, throughout the whole sermon, say God is good. And I want you guys to say, and I'll say all the time. Yes, because we need to remember it. We need reminding of what is true because we easily forget. Um, And something else we do, not just in church, but just in life, because we need to remember, is we write a shopping list. And we write things down on a note tab, on our phones, on the fridge. We tell someone in our house to remind us about it. We set an alarm or maybe five alarms to remind us to do something. We ask Alexa to make a note of it, if you use Alexa for that. Um, But we need to remember something or we do these things because we need to remember something for our benefit, for the benefit of someone else. And when I'm thinking about remembering, I was like, listen, remembering is so important. Like, imagine if we can never remember. Imagine if we can never put something down. Imagine if we can never write. Imagine if our memories were like Snapchat and it just dissolved after like 24 hours, if you guys use Snapchat. Uh, But imagine if that could be so. Imagine if all you knew today was all there is. I can't imagine it, right? Because there's so much of me um, that is more than today. So much of me is what has happened before. And I wanted to give an example. I was on a road trip with my manager is that a pro or a con? I don't know. So I was on a road trip with my manager and I love to play um, Would You Rather. So I had a set of would, would You Rather questions. And one of the Would You Rather questions was, would you rather go to jail for five years or lose your memory? Hmm. <laughs> and I was like, go to jail for five years. And my manager was like, no, lose your memory. And someone else was like, what? No, lose your memory. Why would you want to go to jail for five years? I was like, listen... If you like, what would you be if you didn't know who you were, right? Like, you need to remember these things. But anyway, when they, whenever they put those two, whenever they pit two things together and would you rather questions, it's trying to draw something out of you. And I realized that in this question, they pit these two things together because it wanted you to appreciate how the past had formed you. Um, but also to appreciate the possibility of what the future holds. Because if you went to jail five years, there's a future that you'd be missing out on. Oh, if you lost your memory, there'll be a past that you didn't know. So whatever you decide in that scenario, um, I think we can agree that we are more than today. Remembering is important, and a lot of our lives is built on what has happened and what we know to be true. 
So Psalm 103 is the psalm we're going to be looking at today. And it's a psalm wrote, written by David, um, doing the work of remembering, praising God for all the things that he has done. And I'm so glad that in the church culture, by saying God is good, right, um, we have kind of woven into our lives ways to remember through the Lord's Supper, through writing and journaling, through praying, because we understand that we easily forget. Um, to be human is also to be forgetful, right? Um, but in repeated frames and sayings and practices and, and routines, we need to remember who God is. So we're going to look at the Psalm 103. It mentions God's character a lot, and we'll explore some of the characters of God together. And we'll consider when we need to remember these characteristics of God just a spoiler alert, we're always going to need to remember characteristics of God, but I thought it'd be really good to consider some um, specific examples when that needs to be the case. So let's read Psalm 103. Um, praise the Lord, my, praise Lord, my soul, all my inmost being, praise his holy name. Praise the Lord, my soul, and forget not all his benefits, who forgives all your sins and heals all your diseases, who redeems your life from the pit and draws Thank you so much. Because even me, I was like, yeah, it's hard. Yeah. And crowns you with love and compassion who satisfies your desires with good things so that your youth is renewed like the eagles. The Lord works righteousness and justice for all the oppressed. He made known his ways to Moses, his deeds to the people of Israel. The Lord is compassionate and gracious, slow to anger and abounding in, in love. He will not always accuse, nor will he harbour his anger forever. He does not treat us as our sins deserve or repay us according to our iniquities. For as high as the heavens are above the earth, so great is his love for, all who, for those who fear him. As far as the east is from the west, so far as he removed our transgressions from us. As a father has compassion on his children, so the Lord has compassion on those who fear him. For he knows how we are formed, our dust. Okay. The life of mortals is like grass. They flourish like a flower of the field. Um, the gone. The wind blows. Thank you so much. And its place remembers it no more. <laughs> but from everlasting to everlasting, the. F What's going on? Yeah. Okay. I'm so glad you're reading along, Katrina. Thank you. Hallelujah. Blessed be the name <laughs> the of the Lord. The Lord's love is with those who fear him and his righteousness with their children's children, with those who keep his covenant and remember to obey his precepts. The Lord has established his throne in heaven and his kingdom rules over all. Praise the Lord, you his angels, you mighty ones who do his bidding, who obey his word. Praise the Lord, all his heavenly hosts, you his servants who do his will. Praise the Lord, all, all his works everywhere in his dominion. Praise the Lord, my soul. Amen. Thanks, Katrina. This is why we need to follow along <laughs> to know if it's actually what it should be. OK, so the first character um, or an aspect of God that we're going to consider is God is our salvation. Um, so I've got the verses here as well, which is really helpful, I guess. We're going to look at God, our salvation, and then we're going to look at. OK, I don't know why I did that. Sorry. Next slide. God, our salvation. We're going to look at God um, being merciful and gracious and then look at God being everlasting. Awesome. So a character of God David is remembering here is God is his salvation. And that's the first point. God is our salvation. And why do we need to remember that? I'm already saved. I don't need to know that. But actually we do. 
we never need to stop remembering that God saves us. Here, David is referring to salvation in terms of rescue and refuge. Um, And the stories of David are often stories of turmoil and running away from people and hiding (laughs) and deliverance. So I'm not surprised that he knows God to be this way. He understood God to be his rescue and his refuge because he needed rescuing and saving. But we do as well. God, is our, God, our salvation is not just the initial yes we say to God when we confess our sins to him, um, but it's also a continual referring and a dependence on God. We always need welfare. We can never outgrow God. We always need rescue. We always need deliverance. It is self-sufficient and prideful to believe that Jesus initiated your salvation, so he started it, and you are the one that continues it. It is not, I'll take it from here, God, (laughs) but it's a continual, I need thee, or I need thee, faith. Galatians 3 verse 3 talks about how we cannot start a work in the spirit and try and continue in the flesh. And I also want to emphasize what David emphasized here um, is how we should remember. How should these things be done? And it says, with all that is within me. We are called to remember God redeeming us. God's forgiveness is steadfast love and mercy with all that is within us. I read a commentary on this, um, excuse me, on this chapter. And James Boyce says, what a rebuke to much of what passes for praise in our assemblies. We come to church, but we leave our minds at home. We hear God's grace, but our hearts have been hardened by a critical and carping spirit. Praise is not a passive act. To remember doesn't happen by accident. We are called to love the Lord with our minds as well as with our words. We can do the work of blessing the Lord with all that is within within us by practicing full and total engagement when in church and when communing with God. Um, I I heard something from a pastor called Rich Velodis when it comes to distractions, especially in our minds. He was talking about prayer, but I think it's also relevant here. And he says, if your mind gets distracted, a thousand times in 10 minutes of prayer, it's a, t- a thousand opportunities to come back to the loving presence of Jesus. It's a way to reframe distractions rather than saying, oh, I was just really distracted. I just, God, I just can't get into it. We can use those distracted distractions as a template um, to praise God with. We are the ones responsible for what we think and how we think. And the intrusive thoughts um, and, and distractions um, that, that happen when we want to com- commune with God. I wanted to give an example of how we can use a template to praise God. I don't know about you, but it's always when I'm in church that I think about food. Um, and I always think about food after church. So, for example, I remember someone was, was singing Worthy is the Lamb, you know, and my mind could just go, oh, mint sauce would be great with a lamb, you know, and, and you just start thinking all these things. And in that moment, instead of continuing, OK, maybe I should have a roast potato with it. Oh, maybe I should get some gravy as well. We can stop that intrusive thought and we can say, OK, Father, I thank you for the meal I'm going to have later. Right. And and just use our minds to, to or use the distractions as a template to bring us back to him. And it sounds cheesy, but it's a way that we can love God with our minds when we, um, when we, when we engage, engage him with it. Yeah, amen. So as James Boyce said, don't leave our minds at home. Bless the Lord with all that is within you. Bless his holy name. And I think I've been paying more attention to blessing the Lord with your mind and loving the Lord with your mind because I've been reading Screwtape Letters. Has anyone read Screwtape Letters? Yeah. So listen... I've, I was shook. I was scared. I said, what is going on? So for those who don't know, Screwtape Letters is a book written by an author called C.S. Lewis. And um, it's a collection of letters from a 
more advanced, grown-up demon to a lesser, just kind of intern demon. I'll say it that way. Um, and he talks a little bit about our minds and how the enemy wants to leverage our minds. So I called him Uncle Screwtape, but I don't know if I should call him an endearing name. So Screwtape um, counts on us to forget things. He counts on us to be occupied with the demands of life, um, to be occupied with doing good things that we don't call to mind who God is. So I was shocked. In chapter four, Screwtape writes to Wormwood and he says, it's funny how mortals always picture us as putting things into their minds. But in reality, our best work is done by keeping things out. I was like, wow, you really want me to forget the goodness of God. <laughs> and Lewis and Lewis mentioned this. I think it's easy to say, oh, I was distracted. It's the enemy, you know, all that kind of stuff. Um, and it definitely could be. But I think the enemy also leverages an idle mind. He leverages abs- an, um, or an absent mind. So as Christians, we're not called to be absent minded. I think a lot of um, religions or even a lot of ways of living Think about emptying your mind as a way of reaching spirituality, right? But in the Christian practice, we are called to think on the right things rather than not to think at all. Um, especially when you have those kinds of distractions. For example, Philippians 4, 8, whatever is true, holy, trustworthy, think on these things. Romans 12, 2, we're called to renew our minds daily. So let us bless the Lord with all that is within us. And that includes our minds. Okay, so the second point. God is merciful and gracious, slow to anger and abounding in steadfast love. A character of God, um, David is remembering here, is that God is merciful and gracious, slow to anger and abounding in steadfast love. And can we all agree that this is not the image that the world often has of God? (laughs) I saw a picture on Instagram and it was a representation of God in the sky. And um, someone was on like on earth and they did something wrong. And the God was like, (laughs) I was like. That's my God. You know, he's not pointing a punitive finger at us, waiting for us to do wrong or even worse. He's not the person that, you know, waits for you to do wrong and says, ha, I told you so. You should have listened to me before. Right. When we are caught in wrongdoing, he's abounding in love and he's, he has his arms open saying, come back to me. Yes, you did wrong. Yes, you're suffering, but come back to me. That's the heart of God. And we need to remember it. We need to remember who God is. Um, If we could call to mind these words, I think it's a good foundation to build upon because it's true, especially in times of grief, especially in times of um, injustice in the workplace, of sorrow and pain in relationships, grief over salvation of an unbeliever, or even living with an answered prayer. A lot of our lives want to speak in opposition to who God is, but we need to remember that God is merciful. God is gracious. God is slow to anger and abounding in steadfast love. Going back to the scenario I said at the beginning, if I had to choose, you know, in terms of like going to prison for five years. I don't know if I should say that in church, but anyway, go to prison for five years or lose my memory. Um, I might lose my memory, but, but just keep this truth, right? Like if there was a condition, <laughs> I would hold on to this because um, as I said, a lot of our lives speak the opposite of it. So how can we approach life situations remembering that God is merciful? I think for one, we need to remember that what we see physically is not all there is to see. And and when we are consumed by only what's in front of us, it's like looking at a house only using street view, right? There are other ways to see the same house 
right? There's a terrain view, there's a bird's eye view, there's a cyclist view. There are other ways to see the same thing. But if we are only consumed by what's in front of us, we miss um, the bigger picture. And I mean this in a spiritual sense, because in Christ and in this world, we kind of live in a duality, right? We're here, but we're also elsewhere. <laughs> uh, we're seated with Christ in heavenly places, as the Bible says, but I'm also in the heat. And so what's that about God? There's a duality. So what I see in front of me isn't all there is. So, yes, God is gracious um, and there is injustice in the workplace. God is merciful and there is sorrow and pain in relationships. God is slow to anger and there is grief over salvation of unbelievers. God is abounding in steadfast love, even as we live in our answered prayers. And a lot of our lives as Christians is waiting for the kingdom of heaven to come on earth as it is in heaven. Because it's true, we, we live those two lives. And I think we need to accept and agree that what we see with our eyes isn't all there is to see. I think another area that we need to do the work of remembering that God is gracious and merciful, slow to anger and abounding in steadfast love, is when we doubt God's kindness towards us, when we see goodness in other people's lives, when we doubt God's forgiveness of sin, we need to remember who God is. When we doubt God's forgiveness of sin, we must remember that God, what Christ has accomplished and who Jesus is. Remember that God is merciful to convict you of sin through the Holy Spirit. God is gracious to draw you to himself despite the sin. God is slow to anger as you repent of sin and he abounds in steadfast love as you walk with him again. First John talks a lot about how our heart condemns us um, when we sin and when we do things that we don't want to do. But God is greater than our hearts, First John says, and he does not condemn us. Another way we can do the work of remembering is to have practices and symbols that we can engage ourselves with. And listen, as I said, God is good. And all the time. Amen. Wow, it's so fun. <laughs> but we can have these things as our phrases and practices and symbols um, that we can engage our minds and our body with. Because sometimes... I'll be honest, I'm so enamored by new things and shiny things that I doubt that something that was written so many years and donkeys ago can actually change us or me, should I say? Um, yeah, we were looking for new things to change us. But I love what Elizabeth Woodson says. She says, much of Christianity is rehearsing truth. Much of Christianity is rehearsing truth again and again, again and again, because we easily forget. Um, and practices and feasts and festivals were done regularly as a way of life in the Old Testament. Some people call it the, the Old Covenant. Um, and I wanted to share a little bit of that with you guys today. And you may be aware of them already, but it's always good to know what had happened before and why it was, it was happening. So a popular one is the Passover. You know the Passover? Yeah? Amen. Thank you for that nod at the back. Hallelujah. Um, and it was done at the beginning of the liturgical year um, and it, was, it signified the redemption of Israel. It was normally done by slaying and eating lamb or a kid to remember Israel's deliverance from death. So they had the Passover as a way of remembering, as a practice of remembering. And we don't kill, amen, a lamb or a kid. Well, I don't. I'm not a butcher. Uh, we don't kill a lamb or a kid as a way to remember, but we do take the Lord's Supper. Um, because now we recognise that Jesus is our Passover and he is our deliverance from death. And when we do take the Lord's, the Lord's Supper, we're remembering and proclaiming our deliverance and our victory over sin. Another feast that was done in the Old Testament was the Feast of Unleavened Bread. 
um, or I'm going to butcher this, <laughs> but I'm not a butcher if I stop, um, or called Hag Haghamazot, um, and it signified, it signified the sanctification of Israel. And this would happen during the seven or eight days. Um, and they did this because eating bread that had yeast, which was a, signif- or, or a symbol of sin, was forbidden. So unleavened bread is basically bread without yeast, so it's quite flat. Um, and they would eat that bread um, to remember how God had redeemed Israel out of Egypt and has called them to be a holy people, has separated them. Um, to be a holy people. So they would eat bread without yeast, which was a symbol of sin. Some others include the feast, the first fruit feast of the wheat harvest to signify resurrection of Israel as a free people. Um, The feast of harvest to signify Israel as the covenant people. Trumpet feast or Rosh Hashanah to signify the calling of Israel to judgment. The day of atonement or Yom Kippur to signify the atonement of the covenant people. And lastly, the Feast of Shelters or Booths to signify God's presence and his covenant people as they look forward to the coming of the Messiah. They had practices to remember, and we can too. And I, the question I wanted you guys to consider today was, um, how can you weave practices of praise and remembrance in your life and the life that you live with other people? We take the Lord's Supper, as I said already, but what else can you do? Do you need to journal? Do you need to pray your your thanks to God? Do you need to create a culture of testimony sharing? I love what Abby did, I think, two weeks ago. She got us to share our testimonies um, in church about what God is doing in our lives and what he has done. It's a way of proclaiming what God has done and who he is. And we can engage in those practices as well. Okay, so the last point. Oh my goodness, I feel like I'm nearly done. God is everlasting. God is everlasting. A character of God, David's remembering here, is God is everlasting. Amen. Um, And that's the third point. When we want to carry, I've seen how this, I need to remember this, especially when I want to carry the weight of the world on my my shoulders, when I want to save everyone, when I want to keep everyone. We would do well to remember that we are not God. We are finite. Um, And author Hannah Anderson, she, she observes this as well. And she says, we're all so anxious and busy and we think we can do everything. And we try to save the world. Maybe if we just learn to be human again, um, this will not be the case. I've just added that. But we need to learn humility. I think we become restless or prideful or anxious when we forget God is everlasting. An ungodly sense of responsibility often leads to ungodly feelings of worry and anxiety. Because pride makes us believe that we can do in one day what should be done in a week. Can do in a week what should be done in a month, do in a month what should be done in a year, do in a year what should be done over a lifetime. I'll give an example. Um, yesterday, see, I struggled as well. Um, yesterday, I wanted to do everything. I was like, I want to do laundry, I want to go to the gym, I want to go to the sauna, I want to go to Starbucks, I want to read, I want to do some meal prep, I want to get my nails done, and I want to like, I was like, and I was getting stressed out because I couldn't do it all. And then I had to read this and be like, oh, yeah, that's why. Like, you actually can't do it all. <laughs> Baby, it's OK um, to be human. It's OK to acknowledge your limits um, and to know that you are finite. You can't be everywhere at once and you can't do everything. And I was also speaking to my friend about how we often want to change people. You know, what is in us that can change someone in a year that, they haven't changed in 30 years, you know? And it's like, why are we trying to do the work of the Holy Spirit? I am not God. (laughs) And it's okay. 
But these attitudes and this, you know, behaviors and way of lives, way of life can be telling that we believe that we hold our life and the life of others in our hands. Um, another thing I wanted us to consider in regards to God being everlasting is just a statistical one. I was on um, Office of National Statistics the other day, and it was talking about the average life expectancy of a UK resident. Does anyone want to guess what it is? Shout it out. 78. 78, okay. <laughs> I feel like I'm in bingo. <laughs> 78, anyone else? <laughs> any, any more for any more? 74, over there, 74, anyone else? Let me stop. 77, okay, any higher than 78? 82, okay, anyone else? 72, okay, I think the winner is kind of over here. We've got, it's, it's 80, so the, the average life expectancy in the UK is 80. And that, honestly, that's, that's good. It's definitely more than it used to be, hallelujah. Um, and it's a lot. There's a lot you can do in 80 years, but still, um, in comparison to God, it's less than, you know, I tried to calculate this and I couldn't, but 0.0000000000, like it's just nothing in comparison to the existence of God. So though it might seem a lot here and where we are, it's still nothing in terms of life experience or ability when it comes to God. But we forget this because we are made in the image of God. So sometimes we act like him. Um, sometimes we look like him. But yet we need to remember that we can't take his place. Hannah Anderson says, we are made in his image, but we are made nonetheless. Our God is everlasting and we are but grass and dust. And this is not a belittling message. I spoke a lot about how God empowers us and um, God is gracious and he's kind to us and all that good things. But to know that God is everlasting and you're not is not a belittling message. It's a message of freedom, of light burden. It's a message of total trust and dependence on God. And with this truth, we can let go. We do not have to be everyone's saviour. Someone say hallelujah. That was too low. <laughs> Someone say hallelujah. hallelujah. Amen. I don't have to save everyone. I can't actually save everyone. And we can also allow ourselves to rest because our energy is finite. We can say no and accept FOMO. When I wrote that, I said, that's a hashtag. <laughs> say no and accept FOMO because our time is finite. Like I used to hate feeling left, like, you know, fear of missing out. That's FOMO. Um, but then when I read, I was like, oh, I can't, I have to miss out on stuff because I can't be everywhere at once. And it's okay. So say no and accept FOMO because our time is finite. We will miss out on things because your resources are finite. We can be free when we accept that we are human and remember that God is everlasting. Amen. So another set of questions for you. Where have you believed that you can be eternal? Where have you believed that you can never age? You can never get wrinkly. You can never be needy. Where have you believed that you are infinite? You can never need rest. You can never miss out. And how can you live knowing that God is everlasting and you are not? Amen. Do you need to limit activities that you do? Do you need to pray honest prayers? What do you need to do to believe that God or act as you believe that God is everlasting and you're not? Amen. So lastly, bless the Lord, all you his angels should say praise. But 
<clears throat> sorry, that might say praise. Bless the Lord, all you his angels, you mighty ones who do his word, obeying the voice of his word. Bless the Lord, all his hosts, his ministers who do his will. Bless the Lord, all his works in all, in all places of his dominion. Bless the Lord, O my soul. And I feel like David, David was just writing this and he was like, if you thought I was writing this just for me, think again. <laughs> you know, he's calling everyone to bless the Lord. Bless the Lord, his angels, his ministers, all who do his will. Bless the Lord and all his works. He invites us to do the same thing. But let's do what David did. Let's consider what God has done. 